thank you for joining us today at Miniature Wargaming Labs uh, podcast. My name is James. I'm Brian. And today we want to talk to you about hosting a tournament, which Brian has some experience on. I've thought about, but never touched. But Brian, it's actually been a while since uh, we've gotten together because I actually had to travel uh, for business. And uh, so I didn't get a lot of hobbying done, but I did get a lot of buying done. So while I was gone, what did you work on? Uh, well, I got into a new card game, which I really shouldn't have, called Flesh and Blood. Um, people have probably heard about that. It's up and coming. Um, but the miniature stuff I've been working on is Blood Bowl. I recently got the Snotling Blood Bowl team, which is one of the lower ranked teams. And I just wanted to, you know, have fun with it and uh, lose uh, lose every game that I play because that's that's the that's where you have the fun. Is I figure if you're going to lose a game, at least have an excuse. Like play Italians, play halflings. Like take the worst team. Sure. And I was, of course, I lost, not because of my skill. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, you never want it to be blamed on your skill. You just you you pick the worst thing. You, you lose with it. You're like, well, you know, this is what I play. That's what I chose. I mean, like, I play 8th edition Tau. That's uh, that's what I, I play orcs. You know, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> just, just tell people the, the common lie. I'm into the narrative of the game. That's normally how most people hide. <laughs> I'm in it for the community, not the competition. <laughs> well, let, me, let me ask you, um, have you ever tried Blitzball? Have you stopped by Barnes and Noble, because and gotten some I have of those. Not played Blitz Bowl yet. The only Blood Bowl adjacent game that I've played is Team Manager, which isn't made anymore because it was made by Fantasy Flight, and when Fantasy Flight was making games uh, for Games Workshop back in the the heyday of uh, Fantasy Flight games. Um, but that new one I hear is really good, but I have not played Blitzball yet. Okay, so I think on my I know end, that there's only certain teams that I that 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 are made for it. No, um, so I got that you well, can second, get at. Well, Blitzball second season, I did a little video on it. They have all the cards for everyone. I think there's only a couple of the um, gangs that are like the nobles. I think there's a couple more of the newer like Blood Bowl second edition teams that aren't in Blitz Bowl. But if you buy like the Blitz Bowl second edition, like starter box, since it was an upgrade to Blitz Bowl season one, it actually has the cards for every faction. So if you just oh. buy the second season box, no matter, it comes with, um, let me turn around and look, uh, humans and dwarves. So if you buy that set, you get just one sprue because a Blitz Bowl team's half the size. You just get one sprue of human players, one sprue of dwarves, and then you get cards um, for every other faction and the special um, footballs for every faction, which wasn't in the original season one four set. You just convinced me to go buy another game. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) James. Well, you know, um, I would wait for it to hit the sales. So like I said, on my trip, um, I like to drive. So as I go out, I hit different cities. And so I hit a Barnes and Noble in Charlottesville, Virginia. And um, on their website, they said they had combat arenas. 
like some of the last combat arenas in the country um we're in charlottesville virginia and i was like uh hey i'm in your board game section i can't find your combat arenas where are you oh they're in the discount section i walk over in the discount there's four combat arena sets for 15 dollars a piece and i said do you have any more he goes yeah i got some in the back i will take all of them that you have he brought out two more so i walked out with no I, i walked out with like five combat arenas for um and then they were also selling uh, the original Blitz Bowl season one. I think I sent you a picture because they had like uh, did, chaos and halfling for like 50% off, which normally games workshop I have, doesn't work. Uh, I, I have both the chaos and halfling team from first edition. So. Yeah. I, Cause I remember the Barnes and Noble uh, near me was putting those on sale. So it's like a lot of this stuff. It's yeah. like, all you have to do is watch the discount section at Barnes and Noble. Eventually it'll come up because not except for combat arena, everything else that they've sold in Barnes and Noble, they sell a couple and the rest of them just sit there. So it's just a waiting game. That's, that's a good way to get paints and cheap blood bowl uh, teams and especially combat arena. If you get it, I'm sure you were, elated to find that many <laughs> combat arena arenas at that price oh yeah I mean, how many copies you've bought in, in the last like couple of years well you know the funny thing is the guy actually seemed disgusted by the combat arenas like he like he's like oh those things those don't sell it's like you realize that there's like 12 left in the country and you have five of them <laughs> <laughs> I want your entire stock. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you go back and bring those to me now. <laughs> but I did get one of the, I did get one of those um Blitz Bowl like paint sets, like the 20 paints. And that was 50% off too. Like five bucks. Yeah. yeah. I, I just take all the games workshop, just put that's coming with me. Uh, I'll find somewhere oh, for yeah. the stuff to go. <laughs> but you know, on on my way, I stopped in a bunch of little tiny stores so i did uh just see what they had um so i didn't get a lot of hobbying done but i finished up the night vexilor from the new stormcast set the banner bearer from the dominion box yeah I dropped that, that off at the store looks good i've got um i've done my test print i've done three tests not what are they called hobgrot slitters so I tested those out so i'm gonna try to finish Ooh, those that looks up. good yeah um then i got my gangs of the undercity box that was a kickstarter so it's shadow run without being shadow run uh but you got that finally yeah <laughs> eight what is it eight months now <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah that's wait, that's actually got off the really book. good turnaround for a miniature game i mean we've uh how long has the BattleTech one been going right now well, we've been least, waiting for years. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a fair comparison, because well, I didn't back the BattleTech. I just, I'm just gonna buy it from through Sean at uh, Etten, so I'll just buy it through the local store. But like, I mean, Kings you the are other... the reason that we backed that. <laughs> a BattleTech? <laughs> no, not BattleTech. Oh yeah, uh, uh, Cyberpunk Red. Cyberpunk Red. Yeah, I mean, BattleTech is because of Sean. And we're getting so much of that. So, yes. Well, 
I mean, you've already got a you've got a cyberpunk red RPG community at at and this is just yes. a miniature. It's a this is just a miniature. Game. Yeah. Well, you know, anyone who's bought the miniatures for the RPG, they can just buy the um they sell the cards separately. So if like you want to play the um skirmish game, there's actually a set of cards you just buy. And so you just convert from RPG over. So I don't know. You you back to retail kits. I don't know what you guys have as options for the retail kit. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> but yeah, so I've got a new stack to add to my uh, models that need to be done. But one of the things that I found a lot of by going to some of these small stores uh, was it Men at Arms Hobby, Men at Arms Hobbies up in uh, Long Island, and then um, Eagle and Empire down in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, bought a bunch of Fireforge stuff. So like, each store bought like only a couple boxes, but they bought a variety. So I've got like two boxes of Western Knights just because they looked like the Forgotten Realms, uh, Knights of Cormier set that came out uh, by Ral Partha. They're just 28 millimeter yeah. versions. And then uh, some Living Dead Warriors. So like some of their undead zombies. And then their Albion Knights, which are kind of like their... Um, Shoot, what was it? Uh, Warhammer Fantasy, uh, Bretonians. They look like Bretonians. Yeah, the Bretonians. Yeah, so they didn't have any of the Pegasus Riders. I just got like the regular knights there. But that's why in the product spotlight, hey, uh, those are so cool. Yeah, well, I actually found some Fireforge models at a place called Games and Stuff outside Baltimore, but yeah. all they had was the starter set, and that was two hundred twenty-five dollars. Sure you already had that. No, I didn't. Oh, uh, it's like $225. And it's like, this looks nice. It's a good value. But I, I just picked up the rule book. They also had a rule book. So was, let me just buy the rule book. <laughs> because, it, you know, it just added to the collection of uh, rank and flank games and square bases there. But uh, so I wanted to highlight Forgotten World, which is like Fireforge games. Um, they do a historical line set in the Crusades and they do this fantasy line. Um in their own world, which looks amazingly like the earth and has a story background, very similar to like a post-apocalyptic game of Thrones. So there's like a couple mm-hmm. male use mixed together there. And so I was like, okay, I'll buy it. But what's fascinating is the rule book. They have a full army size rank and flank game in there. And then they have a set of skirmish game rules on the same rule book. And then they have a third set of rules. Like, do you want to make your regiments, bigger like 50 model regiments well here's a rules appendix to do that so i thought well for 40 bucks that's like three different ways to play the game but if you ever looked at how they advertised it you would never know that fact that you're actually getting like three different games in there so i've noticed that it's some of these smaller selling point that is that is a huge selling point that they should be uh marketing on well i've noticed that about a couple like these smaller uh, European games that don't come over here. It's like maybe they're like we talked to Gaddis Gaming. Like I interviewed Gaddis Gaming before, of where like they make their sales at conventions. Conventions are where their marketing mm-hmm. plan is built around. So I don't know if these guys like hit all the European conventions, and so they're just happy with it. So they don't need to write in English like a way to sell. But you think maybe I'm missing it? But they should really put on their website, hey, two sets of rules. And like in their boxes, um, 
they say, you know, they give you like, well, put them on circle bases for the skirmish rules, put them on square bases for the army rules. It's like, you don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I'll play whatever bases I want, <laughs> but I thanks for both. the advice. <laughs> I have converter kits for both. You know what? If Joseph Acola can't tell me what to do, you're sure as hell not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that, you know, I wish it was more distributed in the U.S., but it's like their distributor in the U.S. is worse than Infinity's distributor in the U.S. and Canada. That's pretty bad. Yeah. So you can tell they're scale modelers who aren't really in to the wargaming scene. So, uh, you know, once they sell the rule books, that's it. Then they still got some models. And it's like, no, you need the rule books to keep a flowing to move more models. That's, that's how this thing works. Is like if no one can buy the rules. Yes. Um, but I haven't tried it out yet. And who knows when I'll ever get back to in store gaming, but wonderful models, very solid hard plastic. So ah, just another game. Throw it on the well, pile. You'll have painted everything by the time you get back. So in five years, <laughs> if, if five or six, you know, five or six. play it safe. Uh, yeah. But, you know, um, I was able to stop in the store last Friday. So I, I think we should note that a lot of our attention is taken by GW. So right now we're just going to introduce a GW section of the show that we can save all of our Games Workshop comments for one section instead of like letting it bleed in. But um, something. And that, it will because okay. that's what it does. <laughs> One of the things I noticed is the new, the store copy of Kill Team 2.0, the Octarius box set came in and I was looking at it and like, I know there's a lot of excitement. So I actually tried to get onto the website of Games Workshop this morning and look at some of the pre-orders that just came down. And they actually gave me this little announcement. It's like, you are in a queue. You have eight minutes before you can enter the pre-order. You will have 10 minutes to make your purchase or we'll re put you back in the queue. And it's like, I have never seen that on a Games Workshop site. It's like trying to get parking at the University of New Mexico. Like they put you in line online and like, <laughs> yep. you got to move quick. Yeah, it's, I mean, I like it because I think I like it um, because it, won't bog down the computer the, the system and get it and it makes sure that you will get in and you will get your stuff so it's better than just you know like trying to log on and it just shuts down because they're so inundated with orders well i actually you as a store should want them not to have that system so that people are forced to come to you i mean that would be nice but that's you know, not gonna happen well, you know, I was watching the video of Kill Team and um, they it looks like they're moving the game in the second edition closer to what Shadow War Armageddon was, yeah. which was basically just Necromunda and um, what Necromunda is now. So it looks like they're making it more nuanced in like some of the stats, like multiple wounds, so kind of like a war cry. Yes, um, which is nice wounds. because... Yes. I mean, Warcry worked really, really well. So moving kill and kill team just got bogged down with rules and rolls and a lot of other things that made it slow. 
um, where Warcry is a fast-paced, fun game that you feel like you get a full game out of it on that small amount of space during a small amount of time. So bringing it to that level is a great choice for Games Workshop, in my opinion. You know, watching the videos, the only thing that bothered me is um, when you look at the stat cards and the move is now just shapes. It's like your character can move orange dot. And that corresponds to like the measuring tool that they've included in the box set. And I guess now they sell the measuring tool separately, but it's like, well, and an orange is two inches. So your character can move three orange dots. Like, why don't you just write six inches down? Don't, don't be a jerk about it. <laughs> I mean, at least theirs corresponds to an, uh, an inch size. And it's not like game uh, games like Legion or Marvel Crisis Protocol, where it's... Oh, the templates? You have to have their measuring sticks or else you're not playing the game. Because at least, even if even if it is dots, and if it's circles and square and hex and triangle, each of those corresponds to a number of inches. And because of that, you can take it, you don't need the measuring tool. It makes it easier, yes. But you could take your measuring stick out. You could take your uh, measuring tape and actually use it. Whereas if I'm playing Marvel Crisis Protocol, forget it. You use this. You use the, their measuring stick, or you don't play. Well, I was I was thinking about that. So it's like, let's say they have some future effect out there, and I can move three oranges, and then the rules say move at half speed. So I move one and a half oranges. <laughs> I was like, well, I, I was saying that like. Okay, you can move back, move forward three oranges and back one green triangle. <laughs> like, yeah, so it's it is odd. I'm I'm not gonna say they did an amazing job with it, but it's more. If they did want to do half, it's still easier than doing half of a long measuring stick in Marvel Crisis Protocol. Yeah. So. They did standardize it enough that it is understandable and usable without their tools. No, so yes, like... their tools make it easier and they want you to buy their tools. You don't need to buy their tools. So since you brought up the way um, Atomic, Ma Atomic Games does it, like um, MCP and Star Wars Legion, of those little templates with the joint in the middle. You know, that, that makes sense because the measuring tool would just be one length of what um, the, the Legion tool is. So instead of using a jointed tool, you just take the little triangle that um, Games Workshop gives you and you just move the figure using that. So it seems like they can, it's got three sides to it. So it seems like they took those three different templates, cut them in half and then made a tool out of it. I will. Since I'm painting at the store copy, I will be writing the inches like next to the shape in there. So it'll be like two. I'm going mean, to write that, that in the be, little bubble. That would be good. Yeah. I mean, so I'm going to paint <laughs> that. I'm going to like paint that, put a little couple colors on like the different measurings and just 
right in there, like the inch measurements on there <laughs> should help with memorization. I like that. Yeah. Cause it's like, I'm not going to remember. <laughs> no, um, I'm not. I'm, I'm not either at all. Like square is going to be two inches. Circle is going to be three inches. I'm never going to remember that. I'm going to be, I'm going to get the tool. And so I could be like, yep, that's three circles. There we go. Circle, circle, circle. <laughs> because that's how my brain works. Well, this is how the British push their Teletubby shapes on us there. <laughs> but they're cross promotions. <laughs> well, maybe they're just making it more accessible for, you know, the American market. <laughs> you move well, the circle amount. You move the square amount. Well, Getting to the point where they don't use words or letters or uh, numbers. They just use shapes. It's like <laughs> just a picture shapes of six dots. pictures. I mean, <laughs> they, they definitely know their audience. But Well, you know, I think my issue here is um, but last year we got 8th uh, edition 40K. Then we got mm -hmm. the new 3rd edition Age of Sigmar. Now it's second edition yeah. kill team. It's like, geez, give me a break here. It's like, you know what? It just pushes me more into Necromunda because at least they just Blood add Bowl, new Blood books. Bowl got another update too. That's so right. I mean, that's, that's four games in the last two years that yeah. they've pushed to the next edition. Yeah. It's I like... wouldn't be surprised if we got a War Cry update, which I really hope they don't because it doesn't need one. Well, that, that's supposed to be the value of the specialized games. It's like, if you want to sell me more stuff, just sell me the annual. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. More cards and annuals. what you want to fix and in the annual and just sell me more miniatures. That's, that's what we want. We don't want rules. We want miniatures. <laughs> well, that's once a, once a quarter, Necromunda puts out a new $50 book and two new boxes of miniatures and some dice and some cards. And I go buy them. Like, can't you can do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's affordable. Like, it, yeah. it's these are the games that you can set aside and say, "Hey, I want to get. I picked this game. I want all of it. It just came out, so I can start from the beginning. And every new release, I'm going to get it because every new release is once every four months. That's doable." I could save up and it's, it, you're dropping 150 to $200 a thing, but that's every four months. That's only 800 or $600 a year. Pretty, pretty good compared to if you're doing 40 K and you have three armies, they each get 10 new models, a new book that's in, in the same year. That's already over that $600 easy. Yeah. Well, you know, um, Last week when we had uh, was talking to Lee Gaddis and was like going through some of his like starter army boxes, so it's like if you want to play his, get like what buy one of his ar armies. It's like forty bucks before shipping and handling. So one of my comments to him is like, you can't even buy a box of Primaris Space Marines for forty bucks. It's like fifty six dollars. No. So it's like forget fielding like a whole army. So it's yeah. Like, it's no, all... you, you, yeah, you can barely get a character for that much. A character yeah, yeah. is thirty five dollars, thirty five to forty dollars. That's that's one miniature. 
That's one miniature. Yeah, I remember in the days when they were like 20 bucks. And it's like, well, I could buy a box of TAC Marines or this captain for 20. Like, but you need the captain. Yeah, you need it. Well, and you only need to buy two of the captain instead of the the tw- the 30 uh, Space Marines you need. So that's that's where they get you. That's where they, <laughs> that's where they justify it. Um, but going back to Kill Team... Are you excited about the update? Um, you know, I was I wasn't until I saw the videos. And since you know, I, I honestly like Shadow War Armageddon and Necromunda more than Kill Team. So and I bought Warcry, but I haven't played it and looked at the book. But since they're moving Kill Team closer to what uh, Shadow War and Necromunda were are, I'm more excited about it. However, I'm not as excited about the box set. I think the um, first box set, the one with the Admech and the Gene Stiller cults and the terrain was a better box set just because I'd find more use out of that. Um, I'm looking at the box set and it's got the Deathcore Krieg guys, like the new plastic models. I like those. I'm not an orc player. An orc terrain I was looking at, well, maybe I could scratch off the orc symbols and... Um, put on well necromunda has scenarios where you can play above ground outside the hive cities oh yeah and like so it's like well that's ragtag random parts so i can just take off um the orc symbols and put on like house cod or or lock something on there and like okay this could be good terrain for that um so i'll either just come to the store and i'm going to try to find someone who wants to unload um the death core guys i like those models and um already have a lot of imperial guard guys and then i'll probably just try to get a hold of the book and i guess they're coming out with compendium too so so yes and so if you wanted if you wanted the creek set you should ask me like when it was first well i I got back from my trip it's like hey brian what are you doing because they knew what i wanted everybody knows what i wanted (laughs) As the as the as as an avid orc player, and that's the only thing I play in 40k. That is all I play, and all I will play. People knew I was going to get the box because they know I talked about how we needed plastic commandos, so they knew exactly what I was wanting. And I had a line like I had three people ask me at the same exact time. <laughs> well. And I also have other people asking me if if I want to buy their orcs off of them because they just want the Krieg. And I think that's funny. So, well, well, this you know this would have been a good. They should have held back on this box until um, October, until October. Well, they're releasing the well. The orcs are going to be in uh, in September. Not, not October, so we're not getting they? orcs in October. <laughs> we're getting orcs in September, right before October. So we're not getting, we're still not getting our uh, October, the fabled holiday. Well, it's one of those things I'll upgrade, but I'll probably just buy the books and just um, do a one-for-one swap and upgrade. I, I actually see Kill Team 1.0 as a standalone different game. I wish 2.0, they'd actually just called it like a different game. Kind of like they went from Shadow War Armageddon to Kill Team. I wish they just picked a different name. 
um, for this? Because it just seems like a fundamentally different game. I mean, I think Warcry needed an update. It got bogged down. They were putting, like, so the original Kill Team was good. The first book was really good um, until you played it 10 times. Once you played it 10 times, you realize that you're rolling a lot for one thing. And it, it sh- a game that small shouldn't last half the time a 2,000-point game lasts. A 1,000-point list or match lasts about the same time a kill team match lasts, which it shouldn't. A kill team should be 45 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes, maybe an hour at the most, depending on what happens. And after that, you're ready to play another game. You get two games in, and I was feeling after 10 games, I was just like, wait, why is why are these games going on for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, when this is this is the smallest army I've fielded for any 40k game? Um, and then they started adding in other things like the elites. The elites was a great addition. Um, but it was a bit clunky. And then they, uh, before that, they added the commanders. commanders, and that was extremely clunky. I didn't enjoy that one at all. Um, it, it was definitely in need of an update. And so I, I think that a good second edition was dearly needed. Um, oh. Now, so you might know this, the compendium. So are they making just like a rule book and the compendium is just um, like the Munitorum list? That's going to have yes. like all the factions in there? Okay. Yes. That, Which is, that might I be mean, better. The first, yeah, the first edition I thought was great because the rule book had everything. If you wanted to play, you just get the rule book, you have your miniatures, and that's all you need. This one, you're going to need both the rule book and the compendium for the lists making. So, well, you know, if they can avoid from upgrading the game again, I could actually see a situation where the rule book never changes. It's just you'll get compendium 2021, compendium 2022, compendium 2023. That is and true. So that would be points... a lot better instead of like having to get the 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 annual and ignore everything in the first book for points wise and then go to that book and have the the elites book and this book and because at the end you needed like eight books to play the game and that's what i want to avoid when getting it like playing a games workshop game even though i know that's what it's going to be in the end it's going to be 20 books to play a two-hour game and i like the less I think they're trying to move away from that, I hope so. But you know, three well, no, they, books is like the max I would want for a game. I, I think they're actually going to more books, just smaller books, and they're just more modularity. So, which the modularity makes it slightly better, but we'll 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 see what happens in the near future with Games Workshop. <laughs> Well, you know, speaking of Games Workshop, what makes them big is tournaments. And so I think the main point of this episode is we want to talk about hosting a tournament. So it's something I've had the mind of, especially when um, I was playing a lot of X-Wing. And I know Ed's hosted X-Wing tournaments, but you've actually had a lot of experience 
decades worth of experience uh, putting on hosting um, successful and unsuccessful tournaments, Brian. I'd say, I'd say so, a decade, not, not decades. I mean, you know, you're, you're getting older, Brian. You, you got to accept I, that. I know I'm getting older. I don't need the reminder. Happy, happy birthday, Brian. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It, it feels to be 30. Who that there? Wither. <laughs> Wither. <away. laughs> yeah. So for everyone listening out there, Brian, I guess what you had, so many people said happy birthday to you. You felt like Dr. Julian Bashir from Deep Space Nine, that episode of where he like ages and dies in one episode. When he, that was his 30th birthday. Yeah. That's why it was the perfect la- meme. I laughed when I saw that one. <laughs> I was like, what is like, that's the best meme to post on your 30th birthday because it's, it's literally, it's him turning 30 and just getting older and older and older throughout the day. I was just like, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> oh, but man. yes, I, I have, I have myriad, an interesting history of tournaments. Um, so which ones have you hosted? Going to them, participating in them, judging in them failing at them, succeeding at them, um, and failing at them again. Uh, So when you start to look at starting a tournament locally, um, of course, you're not going to, you're not, the first thing you should never do is be like, I'm new to this thing. Let's do a Gen Con. Like, let's just have everything. Like, let's do that. That sounds that sounds like so much fun. It sounds cool, but the logistics that goes into, like, something that big, insane. Um, and trust me, I've, I've had, I have experience with bigger stuff. So I'm able to put my input in on this. Um, so let's start with where I started with, doing tournaments so the first game that i picked up was infinity and of course i state that pretty much every episode um and so i played infinity for a while and there was a gap in between one person running tournaments and somebody else running tournaments and i decided hey you know what i know a bunch of people that played this game I like to play this game. Let's let's make a tournament. Let's let's do this. And so I just post on the page, hey, we're gonna have a tournament this day at this location. And everyone's like, oh, okay, that's cool. Let's that, that, that sounds good. And then I get a, I get about like a week beforehand, I get hit up by the store owner being like, hey, you didn't plan anything with us. Uh and it says you have a you're playing a tournament for this day. Um, that's F and M. We don't have room for that. I was like, oh, I didn't know I had to talk to you about that. So this is my first lesson in uh, <laughs> building a tournament and starting a tournament. Talk to your game store. That is, or whatever location you're planning it at. If it's at your house, well, you're you, you don't have to talk to anybody. You just have to make sure that, you know, you have enough room in your house for how many people you want. 
Um, but if you're doing it like a game store, please, 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 please talk to your game store, whoever's working, the owner, whoever does the event planning. Now that I work at a game store, I know how important that is. And trust me, it is annoying when you bring in a tournament without telling me. Like, I will, I will do my best to accommodate you. But if we planned ahead, I would have everything for you and it would be so much smoother. So I, I understand now how much of a like mess up that was the beginning. So I had to change the day a week beforehand. Oh, geez. <laughs> so it was the next day. It was on a Saturday. And I was like, well, Saturday's good. You know, everybody's free on a Saturday. We'll start at this time. And so I get there and I show up. I have prizes that I, I brought myself. Uh, I had, I, like, I did everything. Like, I brought the train and I made sure that we had stuff set up. How many up. people were you looking at doing for this? I was looking at eight. Like, okay. that was, like, the normal for a Infinity Tournament back then. Like I was like eight, that's cool. Like we had four, I had four tables ready to go. I had, and two people showed up and I looked at them. I was like, well, this isn't much of a tournament with three people. So we just did a round robin. We played three games where each of us played each other and I, I gave them whatever I had for prizes because they were the only ones that showed up. And I decided after that, I was just like, I'm done with this. I don't want to, I don't want to run a tournament ever again. This, this sucked. I, this was horrible. <laughs> this is a bad experience. Like every, everything that I did was wrong and two people showed up even, and like, it was bad. So I stayed in the background for a while and I went to tournaments. And uh, if you know anything about infinity is uh, tournaments are the biggest draw for infinity. Um, so I started going to bigger and bigger tournaments, going out of town, and uh, started to like you know talk to the people that run the bigger tournaments and everything. And then Etten opened, and I decided to get a little more involved in making that place our home for Infinity. Um, so this is when I really started doing tournament stuff. Um, so I decided before I even think about a tournament, I need to A, build a reputation with the store owner. Obviously that didn't go well. I only work there now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I said, Brian, quit your job. And then I need to now. build, yeah. <laughs> and then I need to build the community uh, to ensure that more than two people show up because I want it to be successful. So I start going, okay, hey, Monday, I'm going to be there with two armies of infinity and a table set up. Come play. If you want to bring more, if you want to, if you want to come and bring armies and more tables, do it. But I will be here with one table and two armies if you want to play. And so first day I had one of the, one of the regular infinity people come play was one person, me and them played a game. We went home. It was fun. Next, next week came by, no one was there. So I hung out, did nothing, you know, painted a little bit. And then the next week, there was somebody that asked me for a uh, demo game. 
And so we demoed a game and went home next week. Nobody showed up. And then like something happened. We had four people the next week. And then that like kind of kicked off something. And then so some of like the older players started coming by realizing that, hey, this is a store. Um, there's tables. There's uh, people are wanting to play. So we started like that started going like five people each week. And then it started going up to eight people each week. And then we hit like 10 people one day. And I realized now, now is the time. We took up this entire store on a regular open gameplay day. Now is the time to pick a tournament because I know all these people will show up. And so talked to Sean, the store owner, and made a date. And we had a huge showing. We had, I think, 12 people the first tournament that I ran. And it was great. Like, I, I loved it. I loved building the community up. And then start, like, I was like, all right, let's do this once a month. Next month happened. And once again, we had 12, I think, maybe in 14 people show up. Like, Sean was, like, racing to get tables for us because there wasn't enough places to play for us. And uh, so we just kept growing and growing and growing. And at one point we had a prize pool. So anytime we play, we, we charge $20, which is really, really high for a tournament, uh, a local tournament. And we know that, and we knew that, um, but the, the $20 went towards prize support. And every, like we saved up, saved up, saved up, saved up. And at one point we had a, uh prize table that was worthy of a like a 60 person tournament and i posted it on like the the large infinity tournament uh like page on facebook and i was just like why am i not in albuquerque right now this is huge we've never seen a prize table like this where do you get money for this like well, i had so many people from other states asking me how did I get this successful in running a local uh, group? Um, so that's when I was just like, well, let's, let's move this up. And at that point, there was already uh, a big tournament in Albuquerque run by uh, somebody that's in the local crowd um, called Rumble on Route 66. And uh, so I started talking to them. And I wanted now, to have you involved. played in their tournament before you started hosting? I have. I, I, I played in the very first one in Amarillo, Texas. Um, there was th the first three were in Amarillo, Texas, because so the idea of it was uh, the Southwest uh, meta wanted to meet up. And it turned out Amarillo was the centerpiece of all these areas that wanted to meet up. So we all met in Amarillo. And the first year we met at a uh, game store uh, called the Table's Edge and we got drunk, we had fun, we had a tournament. It was a lot of fun. Second year, we had the owner of Corvus Belly come out from Spain um, because he's just like, I've never seen a, game, a tournament this size. Uh, like, this is amazing. It's in Amarillo, Texas, which no one in Spain has even heard of. And they're asking why you're saying it wrong. Um, 
and the third year was even bigger and I was just like well you know I kind of want to you know want to be a part of this I don't want to run it but you know I want to take you know I want to be a part of it because right like seeing your game being played by so many people that you know is a lot of fun so you know I kind of helped them out with like setting things up breaking things down um judging at one point I judged a couple tournaments in other states which was a lot of fun and turns out I don't know games as much as I think I do Um, (laughs) when you have to cite passage like yeah, person, exactly. you have to cite chapter and verse like on demand. <laughs> when you got a comic uh, book guy. The, I was known as the the fun judge um, <laughs> because I would make rulings based on how fun it would be. Um, if a ruling uh, ruled in favor of somebody not having fun, then yeah, uh, no, I was uh, so I was known as the fun judge, and. Uh, and people still want, like, uh, I was well known in the infinity circle. And then, uh, the people that ran, uh, rumble on Rusty six, uh, asked me to run it with them one year and, um, I messed up. Uh, I didn't realize how much went into running, uh, something that big. And how many how many people was Route sixty six at that? We were one? looking at one hundred and sixty. Oof, man, that's it, it's big. It was big, and that's yeah, up there with like I, some I, of the GTs. Gee. Yeah, it was, and it was all one game. It was one game, and uh, I, you know, took a bite bigger than my mouth, and uh, found out the hard way what happens when you don't know how to logistically run something that big um i learned a lot um lost some friends um it was not a amicable uh parting um and yeah i i it was not good and yeah i i really messed that up and i learned a lot about how to run tournaments and how not to run tournaments which is the biggest thing that i learned um, and so I kind of took a backseat, uh, to building, uh, anything from then. And that was around that time that I got hired at Ed and I decided to put what I know, what I learned and, uh, into practice at Ed. So instead of focusing on, you know, big tournaments, I, I fell away from those. I haven't been to anything larger than 10 people uh, since then. Um, so I decided to, hey, let's build communities locally. And so now anytime I get into a game, I make sure to you know be the champion of that game, make sure that I have enough uh, terrain and stuff for that one game and get people into it and then build that community, start a night for it, and then have that tournament um so really i i stopped thinking about how can i get a big tournament and i started thinking how can i get a big community and so that's that's what i put started putting my energy into and i think that's if you have the chance to make a big tournament and you know how to do it and uh you can build a team for it 
go for it because it is a lot of fun and it is really rewarding. It's a lot of work. Um, but if you want to not break your spirits with gaming, <laughs> stay small and focus on building uh, a game night rather than a tournament night. Because tournaments are fun and I think they do drive a lot of games and they are important to running games. But you need people to be playing the game before you have people competing in the game. So I, I think the biggest thing that it's, I, I have to you know, convey with this is you know, build your community before you run tournaments because tournaments are way different. Running a tournament is completely different from running a game night. So what, what would you say, did you, what would you say is a big difference there? Is it just the judging? Is that the big, like you've got to step so out of it and be the, the judge. judging. There's uh, so the logistics in a game night is you bring your stuff um and if you're the if you're the leader of the group if you're the the champion of the game you make sure to have enough for two people to play you and somebody else you have all the tokens the terrain the mats uh the books everything you need to show them what they need and to show them how to play and you also need to know exactly how to play the game you also need to know how to teach the game i think that's a big thing um even at a tournament not at a tournament. No, this is a game. Okay. Okay. Game. At, a, at a game night, you need to learn, you need to know the, the biggest thing you need to know is how to teach somebody. Um, at a tournament, you have to a know what kind of tournament you're running, how to score points. So if you're running a something for 40k, you have to know ITC. If you're running Infinity, you have to know ITS. If you're running magic, you have to know, you have to be on the events planner. Um, you have to know all these, you have to know how to run a tournament firsthand. You have to know how score, points are scored. You have to know how pairings go. You, you have to know uh, like uh, this, uh, you have to know the logistics of a tournament. Um, you have to have, you have to provide terrain for every table, not just your table, every table. If you have four people showing up, you have to have two tables set up, ready to go by the time they get there. Um, that means either you bring the terrain, you use the store's terrain, you ask uh, people in the community to show up early with their terrain and make sure that they know that if you ask, if they agree to it, that they're held to that. Um, so there's there's just, uh, are, are you doing prizes? Do you know how much it's gonna cost per person? Um, is there gonna be food? Um, uh timing because gaming like doing a game day you'd be like show up at this time and we'll play a game with a tournament it's going to be three three rounds if you're playing 40k each of those rounds is going to be three hours if you're playing uh infinity each game's going to be two hours so that's six or nine hours out of the day people are going to want a break to eat so you're going to have to plan the time everything you're going to have to talk to the uh to the people at the game store to make sure that there's enough tables, chairs, and uh, space for them. Uh, make sure that there's nothing else going on. Whereas a game night, you can just make sure that there's tables. Um, if it's open game night, the, the game store is not going to have a problem. But if 
there's not enough tables, then you're gonna have to turn people away. Um, so there's there's a lot more logistics going into doing a tournament to just running a game night. Though running a game night, I feel is more important to building a, uh, a community than a tournament is. Well, let me ask you. So like with um, the ones you were doing at Etten, so like the store-based tournament, Rumble on 66 was actually like an event space, like a hotel, right? Yes. Now, is that just a different beast when you bring like the hotel and their people into it? Completely. It's it's a hundred percent different beast. So if you're going, if you're running it out of a hotel, you're working months and months in advance, at least six months in advance. Um, they're gonna they're gonna have you book out a certain number of uh, hotel rooms. Um, you're gonna have to plan food. If you're going to have food, it's probably if they have a restaurant there, they're gonna want you to buy their food. Um, drinks, they usually don't you let uh, outside drinks uh, in their things. So it's alcoholic uh, mostly. So if they have a bar, you're gonna have to go through them. Um, table tables, like they don't want you bring in other tables. They want you to use their tables. Um, so you have to plan how many tables you get from them. Um, you have to block out the time. It's if I'm talking to Sean at Etten, uh, I could change my date the week of to a later date pretty easily because Etten's not planning six months ahead. Trust me, I know. Um, <laughs> You're not planning six months ahead, so. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, whereas a hotel has things planned out for the next year so you have to like you have to know your date and once that date is set that's it like unless something like covid happens or like they have natural disaster or something happen at the thing at the event space like your that date is set so if if like it gets to two weeks beforehand and you think you're not going to make it that's 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 on you because you're not you're not getting that space so they're like once you move into the bigger uh, arenas and like uh the bigger event spaces you're there's a lot of planning um months ahead of time and there's uh you also have to pay for it beforehand um so you know at a game store you don't have to pay the the game store they would like you to buy stuff while you're there, which is why they want people to play there. Is the longer you're there, the more you're going to buy. Um, that's what they're planning on. But if you go to a hotel, you're not buying anything there because they don't have anything you want. So you're buying the space. And so you have to buy that up front, whether they ask you to put half down beforehand and half at the door um, is up to the hotel. But usually... From what I, my experience is they want the money up front, um, especially if you want it like a decent hotel, uh, money is due up front. And, you know, that's a lot of money out of your pocket that you haven't recuperated yet. Um, because in order to get the date of your tournament and space, you have to pay for it before you get the money from other people. So no. it's, it's an investment on your end that you know that you think you're going to get that money back before you know how many people are going to show up. I noticed um, 
what was it uh, before COVID? There was that tournament, Mananacon, Mananacon, and um, you could tell they had those concerns. And their first year out, they're doing it up in Taos, so not near Albuquerque, because yeah. it was just going to be their test that, run. It wasn't a tournament. Well, okay, was, so that was a, a convention. Was a convention. Yeah. yeah, but they had different beasts, but similar. But they were doing like all types of games. So like miniatures yes. was like a subset of like what else they were doing there. But I remember the most recent one before COVID hit, they had an entry fee for like the miniature side that like was quite large for a uh, lesser known tournament. Well, Manyanacon didn't have miniature games the first one. Well, didn't Sean go up there to help? He was a sp- he did. So Ed he did. was a sponsor. And that was just for like board games. Like, oh, was, okay. It was all board games and RPGs, and they had one or two Magic drafts, but that was it. Um, it was really small, but you, you're right. It was 180 dollars for that first year. Um, it was small. It was quiet. It was more personal. It was more like a retreat. Um, if you ever heard like of Valhalla, um, which would be, you know, just a dream, um, but on a smaller scale. Um, so the second one was going to be planned in Albuquerque. And I, uh, I was working with, uh, the runner of that, um, to figure that out because he wanted to bring on, uh, miniature games. He wanted to make it a little bit bigger because he knows that, the board game people aren't going to be the ones that, you know, make the capacity. And he wanted a bigger space. So he's like, well, if we bring in miniature games, that'll be a bigger draw for more people that will encompass more people. Maybe they'll be interested in some of the other events that go, that go on. Um, so he brought me on as a miniature consultant. Um, so this is my second foray into something big. And it was, it's been a while. It was, it was a while after, uh my failure of uh route 66 and i decided i want a part i want a part of this um but i don't want to be as liable as i was with this thing so he's just like yeah no you you're just uh, you're my consultant um and i was like that that sounds perfect to me because that, that sounds like I'm helping without, you know, the liability of uh, the failure that I had in, the, in my previous attempt. Um, so we were, like, planning was going on, and then COVID happened, and then that failed. That, that, well, it didn't fail, it just, you know, COVID happened. Well, weren't they getting um, a space, space in one of the casinos? One of it the, was the uh, casino, it was uh, uh, the convention center. Okay. Say, because I thought there's discussion about doing it at um, what's the big casino on the um, northeast side of the city? Like he was talking about, like there or the convention center. So I know that's that's the big boy leagues there. Those are really big conventions. Those are those are big. Uh, I mean, you can get smaller rooms. You don't have to get the entire like the big rooms. But um, yeah, there was there was thought about that but we decided on the the convention center um because it's more doable it's the center of the city um there's paid parking um but everybody knows where the convention center is um and it's easier to get to with bus lines and so it was just you know an accessibility um 
thing. And so well, everything was going to plan. Everything was going to be a really good time. Uh, I was planning uh, game days for and events for 40K, Gaslands, uh, uh, a narrative event for uh, a couple different games. And, you know, there was just a whole bunch of things going on. And then, you know, COVID happened. Um, but so that was, yeah, that was my last foray into uh, – uh big tournaments uh or you know game things like that so well there was still a lot of logistics to that even as a consultant i I had to figure out because we didn't want to just do 40k because you know we wanted as many people we wanted it to be as accessible to as many gamers as possible so i was just like well i know all these other games that i'd love to see played there so like you know have a good day for Gaslands. But one of the big things that, you know, I was talking to other people about is, you know, it was like a hundred dollars to, for entry and people didn't want to pay a hundred dollars just to go to a one day tournament. Yeah. That's a little rich for, for um, just a standalone tournament. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I was just like, well, let's do, if we do as many things as possible, there'll be more incentive for people to pay that $100 and stay for the three days and do as many things as they can. But so, but, you know, we didn't, it never came to fruition. So until it's safe to do it again, we'll, we won't see how it works out. So. Yeah. All right. What, what would you say is the, uh, Let's just look at the small store tournament because I think that's probably going to be where most people cut their teeth on yes. this. What's the what's the most common, the biggest mistake when you're trying to do a tournament at like at your local game store? Disorganization. Um, so the biggest thing that I've done myself and learned from is being disorganized. Like I will show up the day of with a piece of paper and a pencil. That's what I run the tournament with. I learned that that don't fly because yes, I know the math. Yes. I know how to run the tournament and yes, I know how to do pairings, but there's so many other things. Like if you, there's, there's stuff on the computer now, like there's websites where you can just do tournaments and it's easy. And uh, you know, ITC, ITS um, and uh, other games have systems online that you can use for running tournaments. Um, it's also neater if you do it on a computer, you can use a calculator, um, but also like knowing, being on time, um, getting yourself together, being there early. Um, I showed up to a, one of my tournaments late once, that wasn't a good look. Um, and so yeah you have to be be on time uh be early you being on time for you the tournament runner is being there as the doors open to the store so that you can set up so that you can uh and if you if you can convince the store owner to open an hour early you should um so that you can set up before anybody even gets there um, make sure that if you're getting terrain from other people from the community, make sure that they show up on time because if they're late and you're depending on them for terrain, 
it looks bad on you because then huh. that's a table that's not playing. You know, I mean, just um, the storage side for if you did a 10 person infinity tournament, five tables, infinity requires a lot of terrain. Yes. For like the way they like exactly. that game played, then just even as like a per, you can't store it at your house. Like I have a bigger house. I can't store five tables worth of infinity terrain. No. And I know people that do, and it's like half of the garage. Um, whereas, you know, I have one table of terrain and then I have a table of terrain to the store. And I know that's, you know, that's where my two tables are. If I want more tables, I ask the community. Um, and usually, like, people that play uh, Infinity, they realize that, you know, a store is not going to have Infinity today. So usually, usually uh, most people that I know that play Infinity have their own table of terrain. Whether it be cardboard terrain or not, it's still... And that's the big thing about Infinity ter- uh, stuff is that uh, you do rely on other people to bring in terrain. So just getting that organized... Um, but that is a big thing. Like you have to have terrain for an, any tournament. So make sure that you have that. Make sure you have table space, the proper table size, table mats, um, uh, schedule, know your schedule and stick to it. So if somebody is playing an extra, like if your round's two hours and you're 30 minutes over of one table's 30 minutes over, cut it like they're done last roll is that's it whoever's ahead wins um it 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 sucks for them but you have to stick that schedule because there's other people waiting and they're usually they're planning that if if the tournament's running from 10 o'clock to six o'clock they want to be home by seven so that they can go to their family and not you know make anybody at home feel bad for them being gone all day playing games and they're over there taking care of the kids. So um, keeping track of time, uh, know what the price scale is to the amount of prize support you have. So if you're charging $5 a pop and that's going to the store, nobody's going to have a problem with that. No one's going to have a problem with $5 going to the store to let, uh, to let you play uh, a day at their store. Well, so you're no basically renting the space. That's, yes, that's what you're doing exactly. with that. Yeah. $10 uh, work with the store to do like store credit uh, or gift cards. Uh, $15 uh, stuff, uh, like maybe first, second, third uh, little medal or something. Um if you're charging $20, uh, we usually did, if we did $20 a tournament at an infinity tournament, first, second, and third got big boxes. Everybody else got a blister and everyone was great. Everybody felt good about that because a, all their money. Yeah. The thing that they got probably wasn't $20, but they know that money is going back to refill everything that was lost from that was picked out by people. So that prize pool is just going to get bigger. Um, but everybody leaves with something. And that's one of the things that I really uh, like, like to focus on is last place gets a lot and it will always go home with something. 
Um, we just had FNM last night and we had a new player play and they barely knew how to play magic. And I was like, okay, you're, you're, you're going to lose. I know you're going <laughs> to lose. Um, so I made sure that he went home with more than the person ahead, ahead of him. Because I, the person ahead of him, I know, he knew that his $5 probably wasn't going to get him anything. But the person that uh, didn't, he was new to the game, he left, and he's more likely to come back again. I feel like this is my tip to anybody that wants to run uh, local gaming. Make sure that you always give last place something, because last place feels bad. Second to last, not really, because there's somebody below you. You didn't lose. You weren't the last person. But being last hurts. When you're a new player, it especially hurts because it's just like, yeah, I know I, I don't know the game, but I'm still, I, I still lost. So if you give them something to make them feel good about losing, they'll come back and lose again. And if they lose again, they get something else. You know, they'll keep coming back. And the more they come back, the more they learn. The better they get, the less they lose, the more fun they have. And then you got somebody that's coming back every single week. Um, so I, I don't like to focus on the winners. I like to focus on the people that are losing games because they're the ones that are usually, you know, losing isn't fun. It can be fun, um, but not everybody likes losing. So if you give, make sure that the people that are losing games something for their efforts they will try harder and they will come back they will try again they will push forward and they then you have a loyal person in your community that even though they lost they'll make sure that the person that is newer than them and is losing feels better because they felt bad when they started (laughs) and but that community started that's how, that's how you build a community is you focus on the people that are at the bottom than the people at the top. That, that is my tip is focus, focus at the bottom before focusing the top because the top um, people are happy. They're winning. Uh, so that runs counter to the uh, trickle down theory of tournaments of uh, if you give everything to the people at the top, the people at the bottom will naturally get better until they get to the top. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to debate that in the future, Brian. Like, and see, that's big tournaments. They don't. They don't like. You, you don't need to like build a community to have a big tournament. Like uh, the 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 big like Gen Con. You don't you don't need anything to build a community for Gen Con. Gen Con's situated. They don't have to worry about the people at the bottom. The people paid, and they know that if they're going to lose, they're going to lose. They're at Gen Con. Whatever. But when you're locally, if you want to build a community, focus on the people that are, aren't doing so well and uh, leave the people that are doing well to what they're doing because they're, they know how to play the game. All right. Well, Ryan, I think uh, there's more. We might do a part two on this. I might also try to bring Ed in. Uh, yeah, since he's he done would, a lot of the actually source of knowledge for this. Yeah, because I know, and he's tried to relaunch in a COVID environment. Um, uh, and you've he tried had it too. eight players uh, last Thursday. 
At the store? At the store on a regular game night. So that's success to me. Well, let me ask you. So we all, before we wrap up, Etten's moving to a new location. So you're adding on a thousand extra square feet. Yes. Um, You're also doing private rooms. Is a thousand square feet the private rooms or? No, 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 no. Actually, uh, that thousand square feet doesn't include one of the private rooms because that private room was a closet and didn't count towards the square footage. Um, So, but it's big enough that it's a decent sized room. And another one we're building, which it's probably taking about 200 square, 200, 300 square foot off of that. So no, that is not, uh, that is not the private rooms. Um, So no, there's going to be so much more gaming space and shopping space that it's, it's a big improvement. So are you looking at, um, with your new space, going to the current number of players per square foot you have now, or are you looking to spread out, like take the space to get people farther apart from each other? To begin with, spread out. Okay. I mean, we're definitely COVID conscious. Uh, We try to be more COVID conscious than any other store. Um, there are stores that are really COVID conscious. Um, so we, we just want to be ahead of the curve with everything. Um, I, I, I don't want to be sick. I don't want to get anybody else sick. I don't like, I don't like that. I don't like feeling like crud. So, you know, um, <laughs> well, we, we can say that someone we know who wasn't as conscious, uh, but it's been eight months since they've tasted food. It, it has been uh, quite a while since he's properly tasted food. Yeah. So it's like, so is that beer worth it? I would say no. <laughs> but, you know, his his employees are the are the ones that are deciding to be more COVID conscious. So um, and he's he, we're dragging him along. So I know uh, he felt bad, but still he's like, yes, get a so, little rib you know, in there. We, like we just installed uh, standing uh sanitation stations um every table has a bottle of hand sanitizer on it um and it's going to be the same at the new store so until this is all over that's those are the precautions mass are mandatory um we want to spread out a bit more well brian i think uh we'll have to do some follow-ups here on um doing tournaments into the future and I, I think this is a valuable one to come back to because i know we've talked about like how to speed up games and how to build a community and the next logical step is tournaments but i think what we've talked about here is there's you know the friendly local game store tournament or the larger like event space multi-terminates the lvos the nova opens the gen cons and there's like a huge space in between and so um it's just trying to build that what's that next stop step and so you've talked about i think the local stores where people need to go but i know ed has actually tried to go like bigger it's like how do you bring yes. it up to the next level and so how do you hang out of the back room of a hampton inn pay, playing advanced squad leader so <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right we'll call that a show today for miniature wargaming labs i'm james and i'm brian 
and we'll see you next time.